0: To members, but it's always a joy to welcome them back. And I see Elder Ted Rice with his wife Betty seated back in the congregation this morning. Also, some of our young people are doing some very exciting things. Lois Brown, daughter of Elders Chuck and Margaret Brown, she leaves tomorrow, Tuesday, to go on a archaeological dig in Israel together with her school Elizabethtown connected with the University of Haifa in Israel for five weeks she'll be on that great educational experience and Lois we wish you well and Godspeed and today we're going to say goodbye at least for a little while someone we're going to miss very much Madeline Stark was a beautiful, beautiful solo. Madeline is going to be a soloist in the Presbyterian Church at Swickley, beginning next Sunday. We're very pleased that she would sing for us today, and we're going to miss her voice very much. But her membership will still remain in Bakerstown, and we know that whenever your schedule permits, you'll be back with your fellow ministers in our great chancel choir. But Madeline... You have thrilled us much with your voice. God's given you a great voice. And we wish you God's speed in his ministry to which he's now calling you. We look now to the word of God, a familiar passage, Luke, the 15th chapter, beginning to read at the 11th verse, that which is considered to be the greatest short story ever told the most familiar of all Jesus' parables, the parable of the prodigal son. Hear the word of God, remember it. God always blesses the reading and the hearing of his word. And Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that falls to me. And he divided his living between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took his journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in loose-living. And when he had spent everything, a great famine arose in that country, and he began to be in want. So He went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would have gladly have fed on the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoots on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and make merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry now his elder son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what this meant and he said to him your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound but the elder brother was angry and refused to go in his father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Lo, these many years I've served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your living with harlots, you killed for him the fatted calf. And the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to make merry and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Amen. And amen. Jesus told this story. He could have told it a different way, he could have said there was a man who had two sons. He was a man also who was rich. And the man counted it his money and it was much. And the man went out and looked over all of his properties and his possessions and there were many. And the man went and looked at his hired servants and saw that they were happy and content. And the man looked at the two sons that he had raised, and he found that he had grown two brats. Yes. It's not a very kind word, but here was a good man, a righteous man, a prosperous man, and he had produced kids that were brats. The eldest, unloving and uncaring, the youngest, ungrateful. I'm sure the father many times when he realized that his sons were less than what God or himself would want to see, he prayed many times, Father what went wrong? Father, Lord, you know I did my best. What went wrong? Had he been too harsh or not harsh enough? too generous or not generous enough too forceful or not forceful enough maybe it sent them to the wrong schools or joined the wrong church what went wrong what do you do when suddenly you realize in all of your prosperity your children are prodigals Whether or not they've gone away to a far country or just merely standing out in the field, they're prodigals. What do you do? That's not the time, you know, for analysis as to whose fault it was or is. It's the time for answers. What do we do now? Let's look at what the father in the parable did when he realized he had produced two prodigals. he could have argued with them but if you notice he didn't argue with either the eldest or the youngest son he could have used physical force or some other type of force the old man was too old to wrestle with those two young strapping chaps He couldn't have taken that but he still had the upper hand, there would have been some way that he could have forced that younger boy to stay home or get the older boy to come in. There are ways, you know, other than with the fist to exert force. father didn't use those methods. He could have disowned the boys, kicked them out, bag and baggage, but he didn't. He could have gone to a psychiatrist, a priest, a pastor, or some personal friend and pled and said, please, use your personal influence to to help me and to tell these boys how they're killing their father and their mother, but he didn't do that. The father in the parable did what any parent can do, the only thing that parents sometimes can do, the biblical way of dealing with prodigals, when you're a mother or a father, is to wait. To wait. Become a waiting father or a waiting mother. Some Presbyterians don't like to hear that. That's not active enough. It sounds too easy. It sounds wasteful. It sounds dangerously expensive because something may happen during the waiting period. It sounds like doing nothing. <laughs> On the contrary, waiting is not easy. Waiting is doing something. How does Milton put it? They also serve who only stand and wait. Waiting is very costly and it requires doing so many things. Waiting requires a refusal to quit. You realize that? When you wait on the Lord or in the Spirit of the Lord it means that you must refuse to quit on God on yourself or on your children you see this man had a perfect right like many fathers and mothers that I know who quit the church because their kids don't turn out the way they think they should who quit saying their prayers reading the Bible who spit Yes, spit in God's face and say, Yes, raise up a child in the way that he shall go and he shall not depart from it. I raised my kid in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and God. It doesn't work. That's why I guess so many people don't do it. They don't think it works and they give up on God. The father of the prodigals did not give up on God He didn't give up on himself. I know some fathers, instead of waiting, they take it out on other people, primarily themselves. What's the use of going on? They go to their beds. They imagine all types of sickness. They give up. They quit their jobs. They think their whole life has been shattered. They give up. Not this father in the parable. Now I'm sure his heart was aching, but he kept going at his work. He still gave instructions to the hired servants. He still kept his nose in the business. He still kept on working. He still kept going to church. And though he had a terrible ache in the heart, he had a smile on the face because he had a purpose in his heart. He had failed, but he refused to look at himself as a failure hallelujah amen for people fathers and mothers who don't allow their kids to rule them to the place that the youngsters can even ruin the lives of the fathers and mothers waiting requires a refusal to quit god yourself and those youngsters. (laughs) There are many times you would like to boot them in the you know where and get rid of them. But you can't do that. You don't quit on them even though you heartily disapprove of some of the things they do. You don't quit on them. I learned that lesson when I was in my other church that I served. I'd only been there a short time and one night while I was watching Bill Burns, on the 11 o'clock news, there came a very sharp, hard rap at the door. I went and opened it, and there, leaning up against one of the pillars which supported the roof to the porch, was an individual who obviously was having difficulty standing on his own. Reverend Morledge? Yes, sir. He introduced himself, and then he added, I'm the town drunk. Can I come in? I said, town drunk, come in he said I have four bottles of beer here do I leave them outside or bring them in I said you leave them outside and he took his four companions and hid them under a little pine bush and in he came I listened to this man I've always found it very difficult to try to carry on a conversation with anyone who is intoxicated but I tried he told me he was 70 years of age retired professional man I think he retired just before they kicked him out he lived with an aged mother she was over ninety he cared for her he cooked her meals and then he called himself a prodigal son I listened and listened to his story until ten after one the next morning finally I decided it was time that I get him home and. Uh, I walked through the darkness through some unfamiliar neighbors' backyards and I got him to his home, a home to which I returned many, many times through the ensuing years. I got to know that man. I called him my friend. We used to play golf together on Monday morning. He was about the only one in town that would avail himself to this young man who was taking up the score. And drunk or sober, he could always beat me. <laughs> and I went and visited his mother. I'll never forget her. Strong voice, kind face, jumping, twinkling eyes. In her upstairs bedroom where she was confined, on the table beside her bed was a Bible. We talked about life, we talked about God, we talked about her prodigal. We prayed together. I had the privilege of burying that woman when she died at 96 years of age. And still she had not given up on her son. And I thank God for her. When you wait, You refuse to give up. You also restrain from doing the unwise. See that's the great lesson to me that comes out of this waiting father. He restrained from doing the very unwise things that his heart and I'm sure his wife and some of his friends advised him to do. You know. He could have run down into the far-off country and gotten that young brat and brought him back home, but he didn't do it. He could have sent detectives down to capture and bring him back home, but he didn't do it. He could have, with his influence, written the man who owned the pig pen and said, Hey, that's my boy working for you here. Take it easy. I'll send you a little extra money. But he didn't do it. The father you see had the strength not to cast pearls before swine he knew all that those frantic unwise actions could produce would be to delay the suffering that the son had to go through before he could come to himself when the boy did come to himself and come back home and the elder son refused to come out into the house and remain standing out in the field The father went to him, but he did not make any unwise promises, such as, I'll throw you a bigger party tomorrow. No, he didn't do that, because that had been unwise, because the elder son had to learn the importance of the younger sons being found. Waiting means that you've refrained from doing the unwise no matter how much your heart tells you to do it and waiting means that you are willing to respond respond with loving arms and gestures every positive act that you see on the part of the one who's coming in from the outside The father refused to quit he restrained himself from doing the unwise but every morning and i'm sure several times in the day every time the father was at the front of the house he would look down the long lane of the estate wondering if the son might be coming home again and then one day he happened to be looking down Notice, the son doesn't have to come to the door. The father sees the son before the son sees the father. He sees his youngest son coming home. And unlike you and me, he didn't say, Now I wonder what the boy wants. I wonder what trouble he's in now. No, no. The father responded lovingly with the first little glimpse of some positive action on on the side of the repentant youngster. And he runs down the road, the Bible says. And he hugs and he kisses and he embraces his own son. Even before the son can get out his rehearsed speech, the speech that he's been working on ever since he was in the pigsty down in the far country, Father, I've sinned in your sight and in the sight of God I'm not longer worthy to be called your son. He couldn't even get the whole speech out. You see, the father knew how... Not only to tie the yellow ribbons around the old oak tree, but what is more important, when the boy came home, the father knew how to untie the ribbons and to cast them on the happy occasion and upon the back of the repentant son. See, the sin of the eldest brother was not that he did not tie the ribbons on the old oak tree. He did not know how nor want to untie the yellow ribbons from the old oak tree waiting means that you remain strong but you respond lovingly and quickly when there is some reason to do so and waiting means remembering remembering that God has not yet written the last chapter In his life, your life, or in the lives of the prodigal children of this day. God hasn't written the last chapter yet. And to me, that's the mystery of this great parable. If you notice, it has an ending, but it doesn't have a conclusion. When the parable ends there, the father has welcomed the young son back and planned a party which is already in process but the father has to come out into the field and he's standing there with the eldest son waiting on him and the story really doesn't tell us whether or not that eldest son ever does come inside. We hope that he does but you see Jesus ended the story with a mystery and we do not know the outcome and to me Jesus is trying to tell us through that. The last chapter has not yet been written and we must remember that. Biography is my my favorite form of literature. I read it in all forms. And the thing that utterly amazes me, the more biography and autobiography I read, is that so many people in this great nation, so many people in the world's history, the people who have done so much for this world, most of them at one time or another have been considered prodigals by somebody. And when you read far enough and understand enough you realize what brought them back from the far country or into the warmth of God's love and forgiveness and power has been because of some father or mother or friend who in waiting Remember that God had not yet written the final chapter. I preach this sermon today because I know many people in this church, in this sanctuary, and in this community are very much concerned about their young people. And they have reason to be. I preach this because I know many of you just don't know what to do. I'm not much of an authority on children, but I know the word of God. And I think the word of God is saying many, too many of you who are wondering what to do is wait. Wait. That doesn't mean you do nothing. It means that you refuse to give up, restrain from doing the unwise, respond lovingly to positive signs. (coughs) And remember. Remember as you say your prayers and wish things were different. God hasn't written the last chapter yet. And remember also that some of you who are so concerned <laughs> wasn't too many years ago until some father or mother thought you <laughs> were a prodigal you know what pulled you out of that and brought you to the great place you are today It was a father or a mother or a pastor who is not afraid to wait. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, on this special day in the life of your nation, help your people to remember the words of the prophet who said that Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. And their prodigal sons and daughters will be found. Father, for the awesome responsibility you have given to us, Please, we pray, give us the ability to wait and to allow that prophecy to be fulfilled. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be in abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.